Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host. On a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. So one of my favorite ways to learn is through audiobooks, and I use audible.com for that. So what I'd like to do is give away a three-month membership to audible.com. I'm going to do that every single month uh, to somebody that's on our email list. So if you're not on our email list already, go to buildingabusinessthatlasts.com, plug in your email address. I promise I won't spam you. We'll send you one email a week announcing the new podcasts as they come out give you some information and links about those podcasts, and enter you in a chance to win that three-month membership to audible.com. So head over to our website, buildingabusinessthatlasts.com, plug in your email address, and we will get you entered for that contest. Good luck. On this episode, I talked to Doug Wiles from Herbie Wiles Insurance. Doug uh, has been in business there for 38 years. The agency has been around uh, even longer than that. And for me, you know, to, to talk to somebody who's been in business for almost four decades, they've really gone through a lot over that time and been able to overcome it, and he's grown it throughout the years. Uh, so I really took a lot away from his kind of stable hand and steady steering of the ship uh, through all these years, and I hope that you are able to gain some insights that are helpful for you as well in this conversation. So, Doug, I'd love to hear from you just a little kind of history backing up to the beginning. When you first started getting into the business, what got you into the business and how have you kind of worked your way to where you are now? Well, some folks would say that it's in my blood. My grandfather was actually an insurance agent here in the 1940s in St. Augustine. And when my father graduated from college, uh, about the time I was born, he went to work with him. And then ultimately, uh, after my grandfather passed away in the early 60s, my father uh, started this agency, this business, uh, down on Cordova Street in 1961. I didn't come on board until 1979, so I'm not going to take a lot of credit for what's going on here. (laughs) The agency, the business was up and running and doing very well uh, before I arrived, but we've grown an awful lot since 1979. And we expect a lot of growth in the future. So I think I, in a lot of ways, was just pretty lucky uh, to be able to finally make a decision that the insurance business was and risk management was something that I uh, wanted to give a try. And ultimately, it fit. And here we are today. So you kind of started off in the, the family business to some extent because it went back so much uh, longer. And what was that like transitioning kind of into the business at some point, and then eventually being at the point where you're running it? Well, you know, I still remember uh, being uh, in serving in the Army in Europe and my parents coming over and my father giving me one of those offers that was difficult to refuse. And, (laughs) uh, you know, January of 79, we started. But I think that the key for a family business is that I never considered myself a son Uh, in the same relationship that I have with my parents, my father in particular, uh, I always tried to do my best as an employee and never assumed that simply because I had the last name uh, that things would automatically fall into place for me. 
And I think to his credit, my father uh, really judged me and expected uh, that I would work as a good employee and not as a favored son. Uh, So we had some very good and and honest and appropriate conversations along the way, and we left the family aside. And I think that helped me grow and into the business well uh, to understand uh, where my role was and where it could be. And I am deeply appreciative to all of my family for giving me some of the tools you know, to continue the agency to where it is today. Hmm. But the good news for me is that unlike many businesses, uh, I started out with a very strong uh, business to begin with and a pretty good background because insurance was spoken around my table quite frequently uh, at night when I went home uh, from school. And I mean, heck, even when I was picked up from school. So uh, I probably had a little more of an advantage that many younger business owners today just don't have. It kind of makes me think about one of the topics that's come up in a lot of conversations has been having mentors or people that you look up to, people that you've kind of gleaned advice from over the years. It sounds like you kind of had that a little bit at home even with with the business itself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I respect my father and and, uh, and certainly turn to him for a lot of advice uh, over the years, among others. But I think uh, he got this business started very well, and there was no reason in the world why I shouldn't ask for him. I think all of us, hopefully all of us, have uh, some reservoirs that we can go to in terms of people that you respect, that like, that you like, that do things in the right way, that you can call on from time to time for a little help, uh, whether it happens to be in business or your personal life. And that's something that I value and have deeply appreciated over the years. Absolutely. Um, the the building or the house uh, that this office is in, you can't see it because you're listening to an audio podcast, but I'll put a picture in the show notes so you can see it. Um, really is kind of an iconic um, location to me because you just see it every time you drive up and down. And you have this slogan that you use that says uh, it's the house that trust built. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on that, kind of where that came from and, and what that means to you. Well, literally we were working with a uh, an old friend by the name of Cochran Keating who no longer resides here but was a uh, public relations specialist, an advertising guy for lack of better words. And uh, we looked to Cochran for some ideas many, many, many years ago. And as he says, uh, he was coming home from a, uh, a good time uh, in a faraway city. And uh, on a lonely road one night, he came up with <laughs> the house that Trust built. Um, but I think he got that because uh, trust is what you expect, uh, whether you happen to be an employee and are looking to your employer for uh, a livable wage or certain other benefits. Uh, as an employer, uh, we trust those that work with us in the agency, and certainly those that we serve um, trust us to do the right things by them. Our uh, office has always been a sort of a replica, a much bigger one now, but uh, back uh, in the 1980s and 90s and before, uh, the office was located in an old home, initially got started down on Cordova Street, uh, which is not far from here, and then in 1966 moved to the current location. But the buildings that we were in were homes. So combining uh, it's a home 
and we think of ourselves, uh, all of us that work here at Herbie Wiles Insurance as a family. Uh, so the house that Trust built just made a lot of sense. And that's really kind of where it started. But the bigger picture is, you know, we've got an obligation to those that are here in the building, whether they happen to be part of members of our team uh, or whether they happen to be clients and customers. Uh, that mutual trust, I think, is the beginning of all good relationships, regardless of where it is. And, and, and that's really why we focus on trust and being trustworthy. Um, so that always makes me think a little bit about just core values as a whole, whether they're personal core values or, or company core values, which is something that's really important to uh, my company and that we really kind of lean hard against because I think this idea of having these areas that are kind of non-negotiable, you know, like trust is, is something that clearly for you, you know, is, is a core value for the company, whether or not it's stated as a core value or not, it, you know, it's even used in that tagline you have to kind of live it out. Mm -hmm. You can't just say it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting to me because I, I feel like a lot of times in life, we're all in situations where we're around folks who maybe say things, but don't follow through with them. And I'm, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, just thinking back over, you know, 38 years in business now, maybe times where you've, you've had to work with people, whether it's clients or vendors or, or team members who maybe didn't keep that trust and, and how you've had to deal with that as a leader in those scenarios and how do you rally people back around and, and, and kind of send them off in the right direction? Well, I think the leadership starts at the top and you've got to demonstrate those values uh, of being honest and fair and thoughtful and trustworthy, uh, competent, and, uh, and as well as confident. Uh, in what you do, um, we, I don't throw those words around lightly, but that's really what we expect uh, from those who join our team uh, to work at Herbie Wiles Insurance. Uh, I, I sometimes refer to that as sort of the basic package, uh, showing up for work on time, putting in a full day's work, uh, understanding that everybody has needs, and, and working together as a team uh, to accomplish uh, whatever goal happens to be that day. Uh, sometimes that goal is pretty simple, just to help someone out of a, a problem area. Others, it may be much more complex than that, where you're working on some long-term projects. But bottom line, I think life is all about relationships uh, that you have with your family, relationships with uh, those that you work with, and relationships with your customers. Uh, and the, the better you work at fostering good relationships, regardless as to who it is, I think the better life you're going to have and the better example you're going to lead to others. So one of the subtitle of this show for me is, is without sacrificing family. So building a business that lasts without sacrificing family. I think it's, it's easy to look around and, and we live in a culture of kind of hustle and like work all the time, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm, I always kind of joke that I'm a recovering workaholic and I always have to check myself every now and then, you know, and I think there are seasons of life, you know, there's, there's time periods where, where maybe we can work a little bit more and maybe we, we need to work a little bit less, but I'm curious for you, you know, as the years have gone by and, and you've gone through different seasons of life, how that's changed for you and how you've been able to keep the right perspective um, in order to not just be focused on the business, but be focused about other relationships, family, things like that. Well, you know, it's all about commitments, and, and I think anyone that's smart, anyone that is is truly interested in, in doing good things have got to be committed to those that are closest to you, your family, 
as well as those that work with you. We've tried to do that in a lot of ways here at the agency. We, we have some pretty liberal paid time off policies uh, that allow all of our staff almost immediately on employment uh, to not have to worry about taking an hour or two or a day or two to uh, take care of themselves or to attend a mother-daughter uh, lunch at school, or certainly to take some time away uh, to make memories as a family somewhere else. We encourage that. Uh, we encourage that not only by sometimes having to push some of our team members out the door, but we encourage that by providing what we think is a better than average um, a paid time off policy. But as, a, as the, the owner, as the leader of the business, it is difficult uh, because the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so choosing between family and home life and uh, serving those that are helping you make the income uh, is, uh, is certainly a challenge with the responsibilities that go along. I just think at some point uh, before you really reach a burnout stage, you've just got to force yourself away and pay attention to really what's most important in life, and that are the people that are closest to you. And and it's interesting because I feel like a lot of what we're kind of talking about kind of it loops back together because we started talking about trust and the kind of core values and relationships. And then you kind of hit on leading by example, and then how do we keep those relationships? Well, we keep the relationships by keeping our commitment, which kind of goes back to trust again. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. It's just interesting how all those things kind of cycle around. So one of the things that I think was most difficult for me, and and still Mm -hmm. is sometimes – is when I went from, I, I operated by myself for a long time. I mm-hmm. did design work and websites and branding and all kind of stuff by myself for ages. And then I eventually started having contractors I would use. And then I started having, you know, full-time employees and, and learning how to hire well. And then sometimes how to fire well was difficult. And I'd love to just spend a minute or two kind of talking about that from your perspective. When you, when you guys go to bring on a new team member, what does that look like from a real practical standpoint? And how do you make that decision to go, okay, this is a good person to add to this team. One of the things I love to follow Dave Ramsey, although sometimes he says some things that are a little over the top. One of the things he said was, uh, he said, we don't let crazy in the building, you know, and, and how do you come to those determinations of going, Hey, this, this person is a good fit to be a part of Herbie Wiles insurance. Well, we, I don't know that we have any great secret on that. Yeah. I, I think the first thing is to, is to try to hire someone before you really need them. If you've lost a key employee, a key member of the staff, and now you're desperate to Mm -hmm. uh, replace that person, uh, sometimes the desperation overcomes common sense. And so we, we try to anticipate, and again, if you've got the trust of your employees, um, I'm pretty proud to tell you that in a lot of cases, when somebody comes near making another decision, maybe their husband is taking a, or wife are taking a, a job out of town and it's not immediate, but it's down the road a ways, or we've had a few folks that have retired over the past three or four years. They've been very open with us about, hey, it's, you know, it's not imminent, but it's coming, mm. which has given us that opportunity to look for someone, look for a replacement where we're not pressured to take anyone who fogs a mirror. I think that's the first thing. Uh, And even if you don't have that foresight, for lack of better words, I think still looking for good people when they come in your door or when they appear on your doorstep 
and considering a hire when you may not have to hire somebody is probably a good word or a good thing to do. Secondly, I mentioned the, the basic package. We, we look for folks who uh, have a lot of energy. Uh, we look for people to add to our team who uh, like other people. They enjoy waking up in the morning. They get a, a, a rush, a thrill out of serving somebody else, making someone else happy. Um, they're just pleasant to be with. Uh, and so that's been our goal is to find someone with those basic characteristics. And, hey, if they happen to have a little insurance or risk management experience, it's a bonus. Right. Um, but we would much rather hire and train in the critical areas of our office than find somebody who is already trained in the technical aspects of our business, but not be able to get along, uh, not be able to uh, accept what we are trying to be, just are here because this is another job. Mm-hmm. That's a lot easier said than done, but I, I think when you develop the culture um, where coming to work is more than just a, a nine to five endurance. Um, I think you've broken that cycle, and now you can really do some things creative and begin to reach goals that you, you really couldn't think you could reach. And it's all about the relationships you have with your staff, relationships with other key leaders within the agency, within the business, and ensuring that they have the tools, just like the owner, uh, to, to do the kind of job that you would expect to be done. It's interesting because this is one of the things I love about these conversations is I feel like I'm, I'm going to be taken away just as much as anybody else listening to them. I joked with my wife, if nobody ever listens to the podcast, it's still going to be really good wisdom for me. So as selfish as that sounds, it's still true. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about is, is I remember, I don't remember who told me this, but I remember it kind of resonating with me for a long time. I don't really think it's true. They said, don't hire till it hurts. And I think that's kind of the opposite of what you're saying. And I actually think that's a mistake because when you wait till you're really hurting to make a hire, at that point, like you said, you're kind of in desperation mode. And all of a sudden, you've got to just put some, put, a, put a body in a seat, and then it's easy to make a mistake. Well, there's a careful balance. I mean, I'm not suggesting I'm that sure. you go into bankruptcy <laughs> by uh, hiring too many people. Right. Uh, but I do think you can be smart about that. You can look beyond the present moment. Uh, and hopefully, with the help of your staff, you can begin to see when you are going to need to have another warm body and you want to be sure that it's more than just a warm body. Uh, and having a little time gives you the luxury of not taking the first person that shows up for an interview. I had one of my uh, team members actually this week uh, come up to me and say, hey, I met with a lady the other day. We had lunch, mm-hmm. and it, she just seems like she'd be the perfect fit for this, this, and this role. I know it's not exactly the role we need yet, but I feel like we're almost there. And it was a neat moment for me to go, it's really encouraging when my team is starting to mm-hmm. see needs you know, that we may need in the future and then also start to see people who might be a good fit for that. Because to some extent, especially, it's been interesting, the, the last couple of hires that I've made, I've started to let have other people do some of the first interviews mm-hmm. and let them kind of get a gauge for, especially the people they're, they're going to directly kind of work with and, and connect with more than I was in a particular role. And that's been really helpful because, mm-hmm. you know, if they're the ones that are going to have to work with this other person all day long because their roles align really closely, then they need to get along. Well, uh, we didn't specifically talk about that, but you're absolutely right. Um, a couple of those that are 
here in the office today are as a result of some good recommendation of our current uh, team members. Uh, and we involved those that are already here in parts of our interview, our screening process in a variety of ways. So uh, whatever seems to be comfortable and appropriate from interviewing to perhaps going to a lunch or uh, having a, a general discussion or maybe a walk around the office, it can be very, very subtle, but it's amazing how much you can pick up about someone's personality or some of their other characteristics by just spending 15 or 20 minutes around them mm-hmm. where they're not comfortable and how they respond to that. So our staff just showing a potential hire around the office may, may be enough key to know that we'll, we're on the right track here or perhaps we need to make another decision. Yeah. Now, what about on the opposite side? When you when you get to the point where you realize, okay, this person is, is not the best fit for this role, maybe they realize it or maybe they don't realize it yet because that can be different too when somebody realizes they aren't a good fit versus when they're not even they, – they think they are maybe but the rest of the company doesn't or the leadership doesn't. How do you go through that difficult process sometimes of, of letting somebody go but do it in a way that is you know of high character and integrity where you know you're doing everything that you can do to make sure that you're not the problem and that, that you've done everything that you can to like what I always think, the reason I say this is I always think as a leader and somebody who's making a final decision on a hire, I'm, I'm bringing the person in the door in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually the one that put them there because uh, our company's not very big. So I'm, I'm usually the one making the final decision that, that put them there. And so if they're not the right fit, it doesn't mean it's entirely my fault, but I did put them there in the first place. And so I always kind of want to think through, am I doing the right thing here and letting them go? And, and sometimes I've waited too long to make those decisions as a result of that. So how do you toe that line between making sure that, that the company's done everything they can to empower that person to do a good job in their role and and waiting too long and then keeping somebody on that maybe could be hurting the whole company and the people and in their I, jobs? And I don't know that there's any, you know, silver bullet there, but I, I think the general rule that I've always felt important is that once you determine that it's just not a good fit or things are not working, perhaps circumstances have changed either within the agency, within the business, or, you know, in a, a staff member's personal life. Mm. Um, I think we do everybody a favor by terminating that relationship as quickly as you can, but not without first uh, having a good conversation. And if you've hired well, where there's that level of trust, mm there's some level of communication and and hopefully if if there's something that we're doing that perhaps has made them uncomfortable we can figure out what that is and make some changes and sometimes turn the pathways around but i think you've got to be fair you're right um and i I think you've got to be honest sometimes brutally honest um i think the other thing is that everything is a test i mean if as the owner if if you're getting a sense that things are not working out. Believe me, the staff members around the person are also feeling the same thing. And everything is a test. Well, how's the boss, how's the leader going to react to this? And are they going to continue to take this? Or, and and then how you um, let someone go is another test as well. I mean, uh, is it going to be uh, Friday afternoon at four o'clock and suddenly they're gone? Or do you work a little bit to try to resolve those issues? 
Um, I always like to think, how would I, should I be treated if I were going through these difficult stages? And you've got to remember everybody in the agency's watching. So if you're not fair, if you're not tempting to cut meat at halfway, I think the other members will see that, and you may have a, a trust issue with them as well. So a lot of care there, but yeah. as long as you've hired reasonably well, um, the the decision on the other end, as painful as it sometimes is, is a lot easier. Absolutely. One of the things I always like to get to before we wrap up a podcast is to think through, it's easy, I think, on the outside for other people to look at a at an agency like yours and a leader like you and think, man, he just got it all together. Everything's going well. You know, it's, it's, it's smooth sailing. And, and I think anybody who's been in business long enough knows there's always roadblocks. There's always stumbling points. There's always things that come up that are hard, you know, whether it's personal things that we have to get through and still run the business or whether it's things in the business that are uh, an industry change that we have no control over or, or just maybe, maybe even a decision that we made as a leader, you know, and I'd love to kind of hear from you on either, it doesn't have to be a specific, specific example, but just how you kind of have dealt with overcoming those types of either your own failures as a leader in certain instances or just difficult times in the business. Well, and, and all businesses are going to go through them. Yeah. Uh, they're all always a business cycle, whether it happens to be month to month, year to year, or, you know, the past economic cycles, you know, it was pretty tough. Mm. Um, seven, eight, nine years ago, yeah. uh, and a lot of businesses didn't make it out of that economic backslide uh, that we had in this country, and and many are still struggling as a direct result of that. And I uh, I think that um, again, uh, being honest and as fair as you possibly can are the first steps toward resolving whatever issue you know is approaching you. I I like to think that I don't have a huge ego uh, so that if I make a mistake and I make a lot of them, um, I'm going to be the first one to admit that and try to figure out how we fix it or how we move along in the best possible way. Uh, The good news is that I try not to make decisions in a vacuum uh, whenever possible. Uh, For me, the good news is I've got a a few um, strong leaders that uh, uh, are responsible for the departments within the agency, and many instances I can collaborate with them, uh, whether it happens to be a plan for the future, which we do often, uh, or whether it's solving a crisis, uh, which occurs a lot more often than I'd like to say. Sure. Uh, but even if you're a solo shop, I, I think bringing uh, your trusted staff members together and talking about the issues that are ahead of you is the good first step. And everyone has a perspective. And I think uh, particularly in a business, uh, if there's the trust involved, let's figure out how together we can make it through this obstacle and move along. I, I hope that helps yeah. a little bit with um, without being too general. Sure. Uh, no, no, I think it does. I think, I think just even the, even the concept of never make a decision, you know, in a, in a vacuum is, is really important. I mm-hmm. mean, even for me, I always say, you know, my wife is not technically involved with the business, mm-hmm. but she's one of my biggest sounding boards, you know, and, and she's mm-hmm. comfortable with that. And I think she wants to be that and, and she's very sure. good at it. And, it. and it just gives me a different perspective to say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what I think I'm going to do about it, especially when it comes to relationships. What do you think? 
you know, and, and I think just being willing to submit yourself as a leader to mm-hmm. thoughts and inputs from other people, I mean, has a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we had a, not more than a year ago, about 10 months ago, we had Hurricane Matthew that right. came through yeah. St. Augustine. And, you know, that was our opportunity to earn our pay. Uh, we had some difficult times there as well. Uh, we had a, a small group of of, uh, of staff members that spent the hurricane here in the building. We got a structure that's built soundly and a generator out back, impact-resistant windows. Uh, we felt like this was a pretty good place to be, and it was. But they were answering telephone calls mm-hmm. during the storm. Afterwards, um, we had so many claims uh, that it was very difficult to keep ahead of that and to ensure that everyone got the appropriate service. Challenging to follow up, uh, both with our companies and our customers, as that claims process went through. And certainly there were some things that happened, both to our customers uh, and here within the office, that we would have rather not seen occur. But throughout it all, um, we kept the staff very well informed. Um, We brought them in on lots of key decisions. Um, They helped us a great deal, working seven days a week for three or four weeks in a row until we could finally give a weekend off, uh, just responding to the needs of those that we served. And I I think that was what was expected by our clients, by our customers, Uh, the the. The members of the team understood that, and frankly, although we were pretty tired, um, I can't recall a time that anybody got angry here in the office or publicly said they wish they were somewhere else because right. we had a big job to do. Right. Um, so I don't know that that teaches you anything other than we were all, we're all in this together. And in a business, I think that's the case. And the more you get input from others, uh, in a small circle, such as a business, it's great. And there's always, I think, somebody, if you develop relationships on the outside, if not members of the family otherwise, that might be able to help you through those things as well. Absolutely. One of the things I always say is it relates to what you're kind of talking about there when you're going through an unusual time period, especially like recovering from a hurricane, is everybody has expectations and relationships going in. And sometimes those expectations mm-hmm. are the things that create the problems. Um, and I would say good communication is the bridge that brings expectations together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that makes a big difference in those types of scenarios when it's nearly impossible to do it perfectly, but what you can do is communicate well. Yep. Two last things I want to uh, just kind of go through before we wrap up. And the first one is one of, coming back to one of the things you had talked about with the economy kind of taking a pretty significant slide quite a few years ago and, and a lot of businesses either struggled to make it through it or didn't make it through it. And any kind of advice or input or thoughts that you have on businesses out there to be able to, as best they can, prepare themselves for things they can't control. Because none of us, you know, for the most part, could have controlled what happened to the economy as a whole, but it still affects all of us. And with a business that's been around, you know, since the 1940s, what kind of thoughts do you have around how a business owner and a business itself can protect themselves uh, to help weather those types of storms? Well, and I, I don't know that I've got a good answer for that because most of the things that really happen that are major are a lot of unforeseen. But mm-hmm. I, I think you've always got to be looking not only at the short term, but at the very long term. Uh, for a new business, that might be setting aside some money in reserves as opposed to taking a larger paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe being a little more frugal 
although careful about the expenses of the business, rather than making those decisions that result in a, a lot of money outgo. Um, but I, I think when you have an economy uh, that we had that tanked as quickly and as deeply as it did, I don't know that there's a whole lot else you can do mm-hmm. to really prepare. I think we suffered along with everybody else. It wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't pleasant for us. Uh, unfortunately, we had to, to let some of our folks go, mm-hmm. uh, although we tried to do that as late in the game as we could and tried to provide as much benefit as we could. But our lesson from that was, mm, you know, we don't need to be as plush uh, in, in terms of staff as we thought we did. Right. I think our staff understands that and uh, works to be sure that, uh, that they're doing their job so we don't have to hire too many folks, which keeps our expenses low. Now, we're in a, in a people heavy industry. We sell pieces of paper or promises or trust, whatever you want to call it, insurance policies. That may be much different for someone who's in the retail business, uh, who's got stock on the shelves that needs to go out. Um, But the old saying, you know, you you can't adjust the wind. You've just got to play with the sales a little bit. I think being aware that bad things can happen and the what ifs, um, I mean, some are not recoverable, right? Uh, but I think there's a lot we can do to be prepared for bad times uh, without harming the prosperity that we've created. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And the last uh, question that I always like to end with revolves around your own personal development as a leader. And I think it's easy for anybody who is running a company of any of any size, really, to get kind of caught up in the busyness of everything that has to happen all day just to keep things moving forward. And it's easy to end up at the end of the year and say, well, did I grow? How did I, how did I grow? What, 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 what changed in a way that I can be more beneficial to my team or company or family moving forward? So I'm curious for you personally, how do you um, kind of enrich your own personal development through education or books or uh, podcasts or relationships? What is it that helps you kind of go, okay, I'm going to keep moving the ball uh, down the field personally? Well, I think the first thing is uh, an appropriate level of delegation for the day-to-day thing so that I'm not working on small issues. I've, I've got an opportunity to really look over the trench and see a little distant out into the fog and the rain and all the other issues that are out there. And for me, that's been delegating to uh, middle management and to good quality leaders that we've carefully selected over a period of time. It's not always easy for the startup, but clearly, you know, staff could probably take a lot of the minutia off the desk. Mm. Uh, Poor choice of words there because it's all important, but uh, just to give you some time. Um, So making sure that you're just not doing everything, that delegation is important. And I think along with delegating the duties, uh, to a great extent, is the authority to make decisions, the level of trust. Uh, find folks within the your business uh, that you trust, that you believe uh, can do the right thing, can make good decisions. Uh, give them the authority to do that, and then you've got a little more time on your own to, you know, for self-development. Uh, for me, um, you know, I read a couple of newspapers a day, the, the, uh, the typical... Um, 
insurance or the business journals are helpful to me. I'm very active, very involved in the uh, Florida Association of Insurance Agents, uh, many other businesses uh, like the Florida Retail Federation, the Florida Restaurant Association. Uh, there's the St. Augustine Restaurant Association, the St. Augustine Bed and Breakfast Inns. There's always, uh, if you look hard enough, a professional organization, even the Chamber of Commerce, uh, where you can go and find others who are in similar situations right. that have similar decisions uh, from the perspective of your own industry. So I think uh, besides doing your own research, you can be a part of a much larger group with resources that are pretty deep if you look hard enough for it. So that would be the a few things. I'm sure there are others I could talk about, but I would say that um, just in, in, in three nuggets, uh, delegate uh, with authority to those who uh, you trust within the business, which gives you the opportunity to do other things, long-range picture. Secondly, um, look outside of the agency for uh, a lot of knowledge. Uh, Newspapers for practical what's going on in the world, uh, business journals for specifically what's in the business. And then finally, I would say uh, professional groups of like-minded or at least diverse but in similar industry groups uh, would be helpful as well to get the mentoring, the the services, and hey, how do you do it over in your place? Yeah, are very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me personally, connecting with other people who are leaders in my industry has been huge for me, and just being able to bounce ideas off other, you know, business owners or leaders who have everybody has similar problems. You know, we all go through similar things, and that's one of the things that I'm wanting to help connect people with on this podcast is is just to give some insight and to say, hey maybe some of the things I'm dealing with aren't unique because they're probably not like we all, we all deal with all kind of similar things that even regardless of industry, a lot of times. And, and it's been interesting, you know, interview after interview, there's so many things that start to kind of, you know, bubble to the surface and you, and you start to hear some of the same things, but I think there's value in that because there's this repetition from, from business owners who have been around for a while saying, Hey, these are the same things that work. I got to take my uh, 12 year old with me to do two interviews recently. And he just sat and listened. And when we got home, he said, daddy, daddy I think I'm going to make a, uh, make like a morning routine plan. I'm going to have like a checklist <laughs> of things I do. Cause it happened to be kind of a recurring yeah. theme in two of the interviews back to back. And so it was neat to even kind of see him uh, engage in that level. So we are completely out of time. I think we probably could talk all day. At least I uh, certainly could listen. So I really am thankful for your time, Doug. I know it's uh, valuable and, uh, if you want to check them out, uh, check out Herbie Wiles Insurance Online. Take a look at the picture of the beautiful a house that Trust built. And I hope that this time has been helpful and encouraging to you uh, in a way that will help you build a business that lasts. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, Jay. You know, uh, it was pretty special to me uh, to be at the point where I'm almost... 20 years in business. And so to get to talk to somebody who is double that at almost 40 years in business, it's really pretty neat. And it's encouraging to see somebody grow over that time period and, and kind of make it through the, the waves of life and reality that come as a result of just being in business and lasting the test of time. So I hope that you took some information, stories, and insights away from this conversation that help you build a business that lasts. If you want to know more about Doug and the agency that he works with, uh, you can check them out online at HerbieWiles.com. This podcast is sponsored by Design Extensions. 
Design Extensions is a full-service digital marketing agency that provides marketing strategy, website, and design services that help others grow their business. If you're looking for help in achieving your marketing goals, growing your business, improving your website, or upgrading your image, make sure to check out Design Extensions at designextensions.com. I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com. 